This podcast is brought to you by BrunerAcademy.com, your online resource for the best public speaking, presentation, storytelling skills courses. Become a rock star communicator in any setting. Visit BrunerAcademy.com. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and my goal with each episode is to share stories of people who are recreating their lives or rising above challenges to write their next chapters with authenticity. These stories give me the courage to go after living my best life, and I think they will do that for you, too. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the show so this podcast can continue to inspire next chapters all over the world. Did you know that there is a job called being a hype man? My guest today didn't know it either until he became one. For 15 years, he was one of the most highly sought after hype men in the entertainment industry. He's opened for Maroon 5. He's shared the stage with Pitbull, Justin Timberlake, Jay-Z, Usher, just to name a few. He's worked for crowds for shows like The Voice, America's Got Talent and American Idol, and he's got quite a few interesting stories to tell about all of that. Corey Almeida, welcome to my podcast, or should I call you by your stage name, Corey Live? <laughs> Whatever you prefer, you know, it's it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And after that intro, I feel like all I could say is goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> no, there's a lot to talk about. First of all, why don't you explain to everyone what exactly is a hype man? What does that job entail? So when this journey started for me way back years ago, I kind of fell into it. I was always full of energy. You know, it didn't matter if it was a family get together or function at school. I was always the guy that brought the energy and kind of by default was leaned upon to, well, of course, going to be here. We're good. We'll, you know, we'll have some, some <laughs> smiles in the crowd. And then that just kind of transition when I made my move out here and I got called by American Idol to come on in and help them out with a holiday show. I had no idea what was going to come of that. I, you know, I said, look, I'm not a stand-up comic, but I love to talk. We can get in there and have some fun and see what happens. And so after season two, they did a holiday special with Kelly Clarkson and Justin Guarini and Ruben and Clay and all of those folks. I went in and did that, had a blast with them. And then next thing you know, they called me and said, hey, would you want to come in and actually do the entire season and do what you just did for our holiday show, which was really about engagement. Working with companies like Nickelodeon and, and Disney, where for me, it was really about making the kids, the audience, the star of the show. That is essentially what I took with me when I walked in the door to the sound stages of American Idol and Dancing with the Stars is that essentially the, the crowd is the fourth judge, right? The, the crowd really kind of guides what's happening in that space. So they have an important role and it was my job to make sure they knew of that role and they got to embrace it and have fun. But yes, just like you said in your intro, many of the folks, I would say 90% of the people I, I would come across in an audience would say, I had no idea your job existed. Right. And they can't. If they see me, I'm in trouble because I'm supposed to be off camera. <laughs> I think it's very exciting. I mean, clearly, I think you must be plugged into some light socket right now. I don't know. You've got so much energy. I love it. <laughs> Let's backtrack a little bit because you wanted to be a football player when you were in high school. That was your dream. But injuries kind of took that dream away. And then the football team gave you a dare. What happened? Football's in my blood. I'm from the East Coast. I'm a big sports guy. That was a dream. I was playing football. I sprained my knee, was taken out for a season, 
And then they had a spring musical at the high school called Grease, which at the time <laughs> I hadn't even seen the movie. So I had no idea what this was all about. I was so focused on sports. So they were having an audition and I, and I was like, I should go and audition. So the football team dared me to audition for this show. And of course, I wasn't just going to walk in and do a standard audition. I watched the movie, studied the movie, was working on my Travolta-isms. <laughs> and so I choreographed the whole number to Summer Nights. And so I went on and did the audition. And I did not know, but the entire football team snuck into the auditorium. And they were all in the balcony. And when I finished my audition... <laughs> They started screaming and going nuts, and it was crazy, which was fun, a little bit embarrassing, but it was great to have their support and bridge that gap between athletes and performers. There was such mm -hmm. a clear divide, especially when I was growing up. To be the captain of the football team and to audition for a musical was unheard of. The next spring, everybody on the football team was auditioning for the next show. So it was... <laughs> you were an instigator. I do that. You got the lead of Danny, but you admit you really don't sing very well, but right. you still bridged a gap there. Okay, so now let's move on. You go to Emerson College in Boston. You decide, I'm going to become a serious actor. Absolutely. And then you move to Los Angeles, but that's not what happened. You end up getting a job as a hip-hop dancer on Nickelodeon? Yeah, it's kind of wild how <laughs> it all works. It's a crazy road, but yeah, it was all about being serious. So I, I said, listen... We're doing drama. We're doing serious. We're doing David Mamet. I'm going to work with De Niro and Pacino. And I came out here and started auditioning for different shows. And then all of a sudden, this show popped up over at Universal Studios here in Hollywood for Totally Nickelodeon, which was a live interactive game show, pies in the face, slime all over you, all of that great stuff. I still find slime randomly all over the place. <laughs> you can't get rid of it. And I've always loved dance. I grew up watching Michael Jackson, and I'm going to date myself. I would record it on a VHS tape, rewind it, play it, put it in slow motion. I would frame by frame stop it so I could see what his body was doing. I never took a dance class. I was just studied Michael, which he's the quintessential dancer and entertainer. And, and I remember saying to myself when he did the moonwalk for the first time, I would love to do something that makes the world stop like that because when mm. the world saw the moonwalk for the first time it was a global wait a minute this is something special i ended up dancing for nickelodeon and, and i did a lot of hip-hop dancing and dancing before i actually transitioned over to hosting and hype man and all of that what's funny about that is that your agent kept putting you into these hosting positions you're like i want to be a serious actor so i am curious when did you discover hmm wait a minute here this hosting thing, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. I, I think I like this. When did that connection come up for you? It was so true because I didn't want to be pigeonholed as just a host. So I told my agent, I'll do it with the caveat that I want to do some serious stuff. I did a couple independent films and I did a couple TV shows. And I remember walking onto the lot here in Studio City at CBS. I did the show and I just didn't have that fulfillment inside of me. I just felt like something was missing, like it wasn't what my mind had told me it was going to be. When I felt the most alive was when I had a live crowd and I was being able to use all of my tools, being able to listen and improvise and engage. 
So then I called my agent up and I said, I only want to host. That is all <laughs> I want to do from here on in. So I'm pretty sure I drove her crazy because, you know, it's <laughs> my split personalities. There's something about having that live audience for me. I know a lot of actors don't want that. They want to be in their craft. My craft is being in that and having 100 plates spinning at the same time. Hey, I get it. As a former TV journalist, news anchor, breaking right. news, I get it. I love live TV. And I know you love that live element too, because it is about engagement. It is about connection. It is about listening. It's all the plates spinning at once and somehow managing to go through it and make sense of it all for everybody else around you and having them think, oh, that person's so calm when we're going spinning in our heads, right? Right, right. <laughs> I know as a result of you not only going from this hosting role to being this hype person on major Hollywood shows. I mean, you were the go-to guy. And you had a chance to meet really many fascinating celebrities, icons. And I know you have some stories. Okay, boys to men. Tell me a story about boys to men. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday was our high school graduation song. For me, a lot of what I do is immersed in music. And 90s to me was the wheelhouse for me. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm a 90s kid. Some 2000 <laughs> stuff is okay, but the 90s for me was everything. Going back to when I was a dancer, I was, I was dancing on this show called House of Pop. I was on the pilot for this show. They hired six in-studio dancers. So they would play the music videos, they would have dancers in the studio come out and do routines. And at one point they were like, hey, can we have any of these dancers introduce the host of the show? And most dancers just want to dance. But I jumped at the opportunity. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So we did that. We shot the pilot. Then it got picked up and they called me and said, we would actually like you to come in and test for the host. I went in and tested for the host of the show, ended up booking that. And we shot 13 episodes one whole summer called The High Fi Room. The crazy thing is I'm in my dressing room and they're calling me to stage. And, th and this show was basically a very American bandstand-ish type show. We had an audience of about 100 high school kids in there dancing. We had live performances there. We'd kick to videos. We'd have live guests. I mean, I was interviewing Christina when she was just a genie in a bottle. It was crazy, but I remember them calling me to stage and I walked out of my green room door and I bump into this big dude and he turns around and it's Wanye from Boys to Men. And I'm and he was like, excuse me, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, no, wait, I'm sorry. You're, hold on. <laughs> I was like, you guys are on our show right now, right? And he's like, yes. I'm like, okay, I, I just have to make sure that I'm in the right place and I can really grasp the fact that y'all are going to perform on a show that I get to be a part of. It, it was a surreal moment. Yeah. Randomly bumping into someone who you grew up listening to. It, it was wild. And that was just the beginning of so many amazing times. I remember Destiny's Child was on the show. They were like, hey, they, they would love to see you in their green room because they want to play the song that they're going to do on your show. And it's a new song. So I went in and there we all are eating Popeye's chicken and they play Say My Name. And that's the first time I ever heard Say My Name by Destiny's Child. And I was like, yeah, that song's terrible. Nobody's going to listen to that song. Oh, <laughs> of course, I was joking about it and it became the hit. The rest is history. There were so many amazing stories like that. And I've been so fortunate to have my journey take me to so many of those experiences and encounters. Yeah. I mean, you've had red carpet moments with The Rock. You've had pictures taken with Pitbull. You were afraid to even ask him for a photo. Okay, one story that you've never shared before. I remember on American Idol, 
it was a finale and I was literally putting everything away and Paula Abdul came up to me. So now you really know this was in the early stages of American Idol. <laughs> and she just came up, gave me the biggest hug. And she said, I don't know if I'm going to be on the show next season, but I just wanted to come up and give you a hug because I love you. And it's been such a great experience. And I'm hugging her and she starts crying. And I'm like, well, this is cold hearted snake. Like this is Paula Abdul, you know what I mean? Oh my gosh. Just to be there, to be a support for people like that. And I think that is one of the big things as a hype man and a warm up is a lot of these folks who you see every week, like for Dan, the stars, I would see the families more than the actual contestants because they're backstage getting ready. But I'm the one through line because every week someone's getting eliminated, but I'm still there. So I'm kind of their support because on Tuesdays, it's very nerve wracking. It's a results day. For me, a lot of families leaned on me and a lot of families really counted on me to lift their spirits when they were in those moments. And the other thing, I remember being at a holiday party at Brooke Burke's house for the Dancing with the Stars folks. And Florence Henderson was telling a story. In the middle of her story, she said an off color word. And I was like, I just heard Mrs. Brady <laughs> drop the F-bomb. It was amazing. <laughs> it was crazy. It was so wild. And I loved Florence Henderson. We had a super sweet relationship. I absolutely adored her. She was one of the best. That was crazy to hear coming from Mrs. Brady. I bet. All right. So Corey Live, stage name, you continue to tour the world right now as an A-list DJ, but you are also a keynote speaker, and you have a very inspiring message that you call Make Some Noise. What is that message, Corey? What I realized was through the course of what I do as a hype man, as a warm-up, it's my job to make sure that audiences, that crowds make some noise and whatever I have to do to get them to make some noise. And eventually they make that noise. It got me thinking that, well, every single person in this audience is making noise. Every single person in the world has a noise that they can and should be making. How can we harness that? It's really been a transition of getting folks to start tapping into what that noise is. What is that noise inside of you? What is that passion? What is that one thing that if you're like, I could do this for the rest of my life and be happy, I would do this for free. What would that be? Just start diving into that. What are the steps it takes to do that, to start making noise? And that to me is what it's about right now at this point is leaving that legacy behind, mm -hmm. right? Because that noise has a ripple effect. It's dropping that stone in the water and watching that ripple effect go oceanwide. And I think it really boils down to that there is a human need that we all want to be seen and heard, but sometimes there's fear that gets in the way. Sometimes it's doubt that gets in the way. And to your point, the message is, hey, you can get out there and do it. You can make that noise. You can be seen and heard. Does it take courage? Yes, it does. But can everybody do it? They can if they're willing to put themselves out there and make some noise. One of my key points is that you have to fight your fear of failure. We all have it. There's not one person that doesn't have that somewhere in the back of their mind. The reason I've gotten to where I am right now is because I've failed and fought through it enough times. When did you fail? I did a show called Rockstar In Excess. When In Excess was looking for a new member of their show, it was a friend of mine, it was his show. 
and he couldn't be there. So he asked me to sub for him. It's a Sunday morning rock show. I can't even tell you what that crowd smelled like. <laughs> it was like they partied all night and came straight to the studio. So here I am with 800 folks, 798 of them are hungover, and getting them to scream and go nuts and rock out at 10 in the morning. I was subbing, so I was learning where the camera positions are, where I need to be, what my reverse shots are, what I could do to get these folks screaming. I was running all over the place trying to make this happen and get them going. And Mark Burnett and his executives, they grabbed me and his executive just ripped into me. You don't even know what you're doing. What are you doing here? How could you even like just tore into me? At that moment, I had one of two options because it wasn't my gig. I was already working on Idol and Dancing with the Stars, so you think you could dance? I could have easily walked, called my buddy up and said, hey, this is not the way to be treated. But I made it a point to say, okay, you can do all of that, and I'm still going to deliver because I'm here for my friend. I'm just gonna continue to push on. And it was one of the hardest things I had to do was mm. get a crowd excited, present a product for someone who just completely berated me in front of the audience. And even to the point where the following week, I wasn't on the show, but I heard this through one of the cameramen who was at the was at craft service. And he's like, I don't know what that guy was, that warm-up guy was doing last week. He must have been drunk or high. And the cameraman said, I'm gonna stop you right there. I know Corey, and I could tell you he was neither. He's one of the best, and he would not be either one of those. You may have had the wrong impression of him, but I've worked with him on a ton of shows. To have folks that you work with to rub off on people enough where they can step up for you when you're not there yeah. and, and kind of say those things. And then the crazy thing is the next season, they called me to be the regular warm-up guy for the show. <laughs> I always say that failure is not the enemy. It's not learning the lesson that's the enemy. And in that case, yeah. you made a choice, which I think is so brilliant. If someone is listening right now is thinking, there's a job to be a hype person, a warm-up person, <laughs> I want to do that. What advice do you have for them? Do you need to be a stand-up comic? Do you have to have a background in comedy? What's the secret sauce, Corey? Listening. Mm. Listening is the secret sauce. I'm not a stand-up comic. And honestly, the biggest laughs I got, the most recall I got after a show were the moments that were unscripted. I mean, once at Dancing with the Stars, there was a couple there. They were like, we're engaged. I'm like, when are you getting married? And she was like, he's never going to do it. We keep saying, I go, what if we did it right now? And they were like, we'll do it. And literally, we married them on the set of Dancing with the Stars. And we actually had a minister in the audience. All the dancers came out. They all came out and joined them. I got a first dance for them. So for me, it, it's about listening, knowing your capabilities too, like knowing where you could stretch and knowing, okay, I can't go there. I'm not going to go there. But it's the listening element that is definitely lacking right now because everybody wants to get their point across. Nobody wants to listen to anyone else's point. But <laughs> are you listening and taking in what's being given to you? When you have conversation, talk to those people, ask them questions, find out about them. Then when you see them again, ask them about that. Recall that. It's a way to practice putting that into play and being open to you know to something you may not expect something that could be completely different i would have never anticipated doing this from where i came from and i was open to it staying open to those things those new experiences can really allow you an opportunity to shine and ultimately make some noise 
What I think is so great, and you just touched on it, all of this was unexpected. I mean, you wanted to be an actor, you end up becoming a host, then you end up becoming this hype man, this warm-up person. So many unexpected places, but what's the beauty of that is that you were able to connect all these dots along the way unexpectedly, but they've led you to where you are today. So how are you, Corey, living your best life today? Day by day is really what it boils down to. It's so cliche, but it's so important. And I'm actually like in the middle of this devotional that I do every morning, and it talks about stress and anxiety because there are so many unknowns. There are so many intangibles, but they're unknown for a reason. The more we try to figure out the unknown, the more it's <laughs> going to drive us crazy and insanity kicks in and you can't ever be happy. So for me, it's about not looking too far ahead. What's the plan for today? What can I cross off the list? And what is it that I need for myself? I'm a very active person, so I need to have a workout in my day. I touch on that in the keynote. Sometimes you have to disrupt the pattern that got you to where you are now to go somewhere different. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you get comfortable with, okay, this is my routine. I get up, I shower, I hop right into emails. Well, maybe you get up, you put on a song by an artist that you love. Maybe you take out a journal, you start to write or you scribble or set your phone for three minutes and sit in silence, see how difficult that is, especially the first few days you do it. It really is about the day-to-day -day practice and we all fall short, but like you said, it's not in the failure, it's in not learning from the failure that we can learn to live our best life. I want everyone else to live their best life which is why you're doing this podcast. You want the folks who are listening to be able to live their best life and to know it's possible. It's very hard where we are right now in our world to even comprehend how can I live my best life when prices are this, when health is this, when the world is this, but that's too macro. The micro is the day-to-day. -day. So how can you make your day-to-day -day successful for you? How do you set yourself up for success? Is it a cup of coffee in the morning? Is it a run in the middle of the day? It's really about tapping into that one or two things that really can take you to a place where you forget that I'm trying to manage eight different lives. You can't help others live their best life if you're not living your best life. Indeed. I'm sure you know that from practice. Well, I certainly try to do my best to live my yes, best life. Absolutely. If folks, if you want to learn more about Corey or even book him for an event, you can check out CoreyLive.com. We'll have that link in our show notes. What I love about your story so much is you have continually connected the dots, created next chapters. You have continued to make some noise all along the way. And in doing so, have really manifested such a, a beautiful path for yourself and no doubt are inspiring others to do the same. So thank you very much for sharing that with us today, Corey. I appreciate it. Thank you so, so much for having me. This was really wonderful. I appreciate it. And you're so welcome. May each of you make some noise, find a way to conquer your fears and to be seen and yes, heard to live your best life. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and fast twitch media can take you there. Be your best digital self.
check out fasttwitchmedia.space.